Cool, so I've got uh, G-Money with me today. Uh, you'll see his face covered up um, as a pseudo anon, although he just did a panel to, what, about 100 people? Um, in, in real life as himself, and people very kindly actually started to put your, your, your punks over. So, um, uh, so it's a great pleasure to finally kind of get a one-to-one. -one. We've actually met over dinner, but it was a, a little bit um, chaotic. So, you know, you're this... Uh, prolific collector and uh, increasingly you're helping a lot of culture makers, brands also try to think about how they navigate NFTs. Uh, I guess you might call that the metaverse. Um, can we just learn a little bit more about your background without you necessarily doxing yourself? Yeah, sure. Um, uh, the, the perspective that you're kind of bringing yeah. to this space. Yeah, first off, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Um, and all the work that you do in this space, so Thanks. definitely a, a fan. And so, yeah, I come from uh, traditional finance. I've been an equity trader for about 15 years professionally. Uh, I got into crypto in 2017. In Q1 of 2018, I was like, a lot of it felt, uh, I, I, was, I was convinced that blockchain tech would change the world, but using the dot-com bubble as my uh, analog, yeah. I was like, this is 10 years away, right? Yeah. Like it's gonna, you know, the, the internet that we know today in 1997, 98, as they, that stuff was all bubbling up, it took 10 years to build. So I was like, all right, it's 10 years away. So I sold everything that I had that was liquid because a lot of it felt like it could have been vaporware. And I'm like, I'll, I'll be back. Um, and I went back to trading while still keeping an eye on crypto. Okay. Uh, and then in, uh, in the, in March of last year, when uh, Jerome Powell said he was going to buy uh, everything, I made my first crypto purchase in like three, four years, and that's was that I, just in market or you? That was in ETH. Uh, I bought a bunch of ETH. I wired a bunch of money to Coinbase, and that was my first crypto buy. I still had like some venture investments that I had made yeah. uh, from the last cycle that uh, started coming unlocked in in uh, a couple months after that, and then uh, you know I started looking around. I'm like, oh my god, like they built stuff like very quickly. And you know, the first time I used Aave was like my oh shit moment. I was like, this is gonna change the world. And you know, I went down DeFi, the DeFi rabbit hole, uh, was getting, was doing the yield farming and just like relearning everything, listening to podcasts, reading for hours, like, you know, tons, you know, the most, mo the majority of my day. And how did the did DeFi like in, just intuitively make sense to you because your capital markets experience? Because yeah, a lot, for a lot of people, it, like, even for me, yeah. it's just sometimes too complex. I'm not so from the capital markets. It, it does make sense, but to your point, is like it's super complex. So a lot of times I'd read these medium posts. I'm like, I have to put money at risk to figure out how this works, yeah. right? And so that inherently put me at a big disadvantage, right? Because there would be people that were either very close to the project and knew exactly how it would work from day one and knew that the code was safe so they could put Ape in with like a ton of money and I'd be aping in with a small amount because I'm scared of getting rug pulled or, or whatever it is and you know don't wanna lose too much before I figure out the mechanics of how it works. And so I always knew like I was, I was operating at a big disadvantage but you know, I was like this, I think this is the future so I need to learn this because I'm still ahead of 99.9% .9 of the population of the world, right? Yeah. And so then- Even uh, now, right? Yeah, even now, like we're still sort of, it's, it's so great when I have these conversations with people they're like, oh, what's an NFT? Or like, they think NFTs are just JPEGs. And I'm like, it's still so early because that's what you still think. And like talking to really smart people that think that, not just like, yeah. you know, some dude I met at a bar that's like, oh, like that's stupid. It's like, 
very smart people in their respective fields that just think it's art right now. And I'm like, that's what it is today, but we're going there in the future. And so, uh, yeah, when I went down the DeFi rabbit hole, at the end of DeFi summer, uh, when things started calming down, I had heard about NFTs over the summer, but I was just like so busy with the DeFi stuff, I didn't have time to look into it. And then when uh, I actually did have time to look into it in, in September, late August, early September, I was like, oh man, like this, this makes a lot of sense. And the reason why was because on the first day of quarantine, I bought a PlayStation. I hadn't played a video game in over 10 years. I download Fortnite. I start playing Fortnite with two of my best friends and one of their nephews. And this kid's 12 years old. First question he asked me is what skins did you buy? And I'm like, skins, like they don't give me any special powers. I'm not spending any money on skins. Fast forward like two, three weeks, I spent a couple hundred bucks on skins. And I'm noticing that as I'm playing with this kid, like he's changing his skin every 15 minutes, right? Every single game he changes. More than you change clothing. Yeah, 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 you know, it's like, and you're, and to that point is like, we live in, in Western consumerism, yeah. which tells you like, you know, you're not gonna be happy unless you buy this thing, right? And so like, I'm like, just extrapolating that out. I'm like, all right, that kid's 12 years old today. In 10 years, he's gonna be 22. Uh, he's gonna have his own discretionary income, but more importantly, He's going to be totally okay with owning a 100% a, a digital asset with no physical attributes. And, and a, a digital wardrobe is going to be infinitely bigger than a physical then, one, right? Because yeah, exactly. you're not changing. Exactly, because yeah. you can change every five seconds if yeah. you wanted to. And your different persona and identity, yeah. different context. Exactly. Yeah. And so like at the time, I was like, all right, I didn't know what an NFT was because this was in March of 2020. And I was like, all right, I need to keep an eye out on this. You know, like I was like, all right, I know Roblox and Minecraft are these big things that kids are into. I'm like... I just need to figure out like when that ecosystem opens up and how I can get involved. But then when I found out, fast forward to finding about NFTs, I was like, this is it. I'm like, you're an NFT because as, and as I was going deeper down the rabbit hole, I saw that the most experienced like NFT collectors, the people that were the most successful generally had crypto punks as their profile pictures. And I, I started realizing, I'm like, this is your skin on Twitter, on Discord, on Telegram. And because of that, like, you know, if I think the price of Ethereum is going to go up, much the same way when the stock market goes up, the price of luxury cars, real estate, wine, you know, whatever it is, all those prices go up as well. I was like, the price, I think, of these uh, JPEGs, which are um, not just not only just a, a symbol of status, but also like a symbol of knowledge, right? Like if you own a crypto punk, you're OG and you get it and you've been around for a while. And so like, I was like, these make sense to me. So much the same way that in 2017, 2018, people would say when Lambo. Yeah. I was like, I could see a world where like at the top of this cycle, people would be saying when CryptoPunk, right? Like, oh, I wanna make so much money, I can buy a CryptoPunk. And that was kind of like my thesis for, for how I, I ended up going down the rabbit hole. Cause like, to me, I was like very much, um, even though we're behind computer screens, human nature is gonna still be human nature, right? And they're gonna wanna show off to their friends and kind of establish some sort of social hierarchy, whether you know it's face-to-face -face or behind the computer screen. So when we were talking last night briefly, um, I think over drinks, um, I was, your, your collection is surprisingly disciplined, actually, right? You only really collect a handful of particular NFT franchises, whatever you want to call them. Um, could you just tell us, firstly, what they are and then why there is that collection somehow correlated and, and why that discipline with just a handful right right so um i'm a big crypto punks holder uh chromie squiggle holder and singularity holder uh and those are like probably my top three collections and 
you know, I have cryptodes that, that I minted uh, a couple weeks, months ago, uh, just because I, I feel like the community around them is, is pretty strong. But the reason why I try to stay very disciplined and don't get me wrong, like I'll have like some throwaway ETH that I'm like, oh, I really like this. And if it pans out, it pans out. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Uh, but it's very much because I think I have some of the best assets in the NFT space that, you know, I think, let's say 10 years from now, 20 years from now, will still hold and retain value. Whereas I don't know if, you know, some some 10,000 mint project that comes out tomorrow is going to be worth anything in 90 days, right? So yeah. to me, it's like that risk reward of, okay, will I make 100,000% from here? Probably not. But like, if I made five to 10 times my money from here, I'd be very happy. So to me, it's like very much of like, uh, not, not just focusing on the reward, but also the risk of, you know, what is the risk in holding something that might not pan out? Where, whereas those projects, I feel like, um, are, yeah, yeah, they're historically relevant. They will hold their, you know, will they go down in a bear market? Of course, because I think, you know, all asset prices will be correlated at that point. But do I ever think they'll be worthless? Most likely not. So did you, you know, people were talking about this silent crash in the last correction mm -hmm. with NFTs, because of course, on the surface, it looks like nothing's changed, right? The listing price is still the same. Yeah. Okay, you know, maybe the, the, the floor moves a little bit, but generally, you know, compared to fungible tokens where it's like 80% wiped off in, in a matter of, you know, a week, um, it feels like they were somehow uncorrelated, but a lot of people spoke about this, yeah, it's like a secret or hidden or invisible crash. Did it, did, did, were they, so, is it an asset club? So personally, I don't, I don't look at the day-to-day, -day, like people will be like, oh my God, like punk prices are, are crashing. I'm like, I, I don't look at them on a day-to-day -day basis. Right? Have you turned off all your OpenSea notifications then? Yes, you're, I have. You're, you're, I, have. I, I, don't, I don't, because like you get so many of those bots that I'm like, yeah. you know, I'm just like, I have to, I have to turn this off because if not, I miss all my real important emails. Yeah, right? yeah. And like, I just know for the most part, I'm not, I'm not a seller yet, right? So if I'm not looking to sell, I don't care like what, what offer I get. If somebody gives me a price, I'm like, all right, so that means it's worth more, right? Like nobody's going to give you full ask on, on the first bid. So, um, I, I understand what people were saying. I, I don't necessarily look at the prices day to day because I'm not concerned with it because I still think we're still early and the long-term trend is up and to the right. But I do understand the fact that when uh, prices are going down, uh, liquidity, the first thing to go is liquidity, right. right? And so because of that, people are like, oh, well, I'm gonna hold on to this and then sell it when maybe it goes back up. So I understand that there could have been like this crash that it just transactions just stop. Like yeah. prices weren't going down, but transactions just stop. And I think at like, especially at the punk level, and I think this is like super interesting, uh, it, a part of the, the market dynamic that's probably changed is like, you know, right now you have the floor at about 400,000. Anybody that like was from there from early days that has had life-changing money has probably sold at this point. Like anything that they were gonna sell that's like, this just changed my life, you know, like I'm so much better because of this. Anything that they were gonna sell, they sold. So that means that the stuff that they have now is stuff that they don't necessarily need for liquidity, yeah. right? And, it, and this, I see this at the super high end too, where people will hit me up and be like, oh, like I wanna buy an alien. I'm like, all right, cool. Like I know a couple of people that own aliens. What's your offer? And they give me like this really low ball offer. And I'm like, dude, like, these people are really rich. Like if you have a hundred million dollars sitting in, a, in an alien, chances are you have a lot of liquidity, right? You're not selling that alien at a fire sale price. So the dynamic really changes. Like if you want to buy it, the deal is 
paying a little bit of a premium. Like that's the best deal you're going to get. And just realizing that like at this point, especially in like the super high end markets is like, if the people have liquidity through other, through like an ERC 20 or through other positions, like this is like one of the last assets that they sell. Like you sell this like under dire circumstances. Like I almost related to like a Fabergé egg, right? Where you had people fleeing Eastern Europe and like the one thing that they had to make sure that they never lost was like that family heirloom, right? That's now worth tons of money, right? And like that to me is kind of like what you're seeing like probably happen at the suit, like the punks, probably the, the apes at some point, right? Like uh, squiggles at some point. But like, to me, that's kind of like the dynamic that started to happen uh, where it's no longer necessarily about like, oh, it's gonna go down, I'm gonna get a great deal. It's like, you have to figure even if like asset prices go down a lot, people that like are starved for liquidity outside of like the traders that are trying to short-term trade stuff will just hold on because they're like, all right, if I don't need the liquidity, I don't know if I sell this here, can I get it back, right? And you know, like aside from being able to fractionalize it and all, all this kind of ways of finding liquidity in a, a liquid yeah. asset generally, um, you could probably go to a conventional lender now with a punk, right? Because it's, you know, been at Sotheby's or auction houses, there's like a clear, yeah. it's clearly a blue chip asset. You, would, you could probably get, you know, use that as collateral in a very conventional sense now with banks and stuff. Um, yeah, and, and to that point is I've had a couple like conventional lenders in the crypto space approach me uh, willing to offer me loans like on against my punk. Right. So they're proactively kind of coming to you. Or yeah. And they're like, oh, like we'd love to, you know, if you're if you're interested and you're thinking about it, I'm like, all right, cool. Like, you know, I want the terms to be really good, obviously, because like I don't need the money. But sure. like there's also a headline for you if you're able to, to, to give me a loan. Right. To say, hey, we're in the market that that brings more demand. So. It's, I think it's really interesting because like obviously six months ago, people were like, absolutely not. These things are worthless, but uh, punks, uh, but even more so, I think as like we see the proliferation of like play to earn and assets that now have yield, yeah. right? Then that will be super easy to, to kind of, you just DCF that and then all of a sudden you, all right, well, this asset is worth X because these are the expected cash flows over time. So now we can discount that back to whatever today's value is. And so like, I think, you know, punks and the super high-end stuff is where it starts, but then eventually you're going over to, you know, like yield this bearing, yeah. yeah, anything that bears a yield, you can easily get a loan against, right? Yeah, very cool. So obviously you've kind of got this persona, G-Money. Um, like how much of that was intentional, accidental, and, and like where are you taking it next? I know you've got a podcast, mm -hmm. you're gonna be helping kind of bring new people into the space. Like what's that journey been for you personally as a, and what, how, how would you refer to yourself as a participant in the ecosystem beyond being, being a collector? So, yeah, I guess um, I'm, I just consider myself like an advocate, right? Like I'm, like I see myself as a futurist, a disruptor, an ape, but more importantly, just like an advocate for NFTs and just, I really want to be doing cool things with NFTs because I firmly believe that everything in the real world is an NFT and as more things go digital, I think they'll go digital in a blockchain format. And if they're going on blockchain, they will come on as an NFT. So I very much am like, okay, today it's JPEGs, it's pictures, it's art. Tomorrow, uh, who knows, maybe it's mortgages, right? Car loans, like all these other kinds of really real world assets that will come and there is a use case on an immutable ledger. So uh, that to me is, is, is super important in, in how I progress in the ecosystem. The G-Money persona, uh, G Money was a nickname I always had growing up because my name begins with the letter G, and uh, I always just 
kind of had a knack for like making money and and like doing like entrepreneurial things. And so like that, uh, I started the persona because, you know, like I was delving into the NFT space and I felt like I was seeing things a little differently than most because I remember talking to like crypto native guys and I was like, oh, like, you know, I was explaining them to NFTs and I got my pitch down to about 20 minutes where they would think NFTs were the dumbest thing in the world before they talked to me. But then by the end of it, they, they wouldn't go out to wanting to buy an NFT, but they would be like, all right, I see how they might not be worthless. So I, I see how you might find value. And I think the pinnacle of it one, one night, this was the night of the Beeple auction in December. Uh, I was at dinner with six or seven guys in crypto and I got them all to buy the Beeple auction for a thousand bucks, which uh, I think the, the cheapest one that one of them sold for was like 25. And so like, you know, they were like, oh, like, but that was like at dinner in December. And I was like, you know, like if I'm going around trying to tell this story one person at a time, I'm going to be here forever and not have any, any impact. I'm like, all right, well, let me use, you know, um, so, uh, uh, let me use tech to my, to my advantage and, and get onto these social media platforms. And that's kind of like was the genesis of it is, you know, I bought my ape and then two days later, uh, I explained why I bought it. And I felt like, um, I felt like I was able to put it in like layman's terms for people in a way that people understood is like, oh, okay, I, that, that's how that does happen in the real world. Now I can, I get why that would happen with like a picture. Right. And so that's kind of like how my journey started. And, you know, I, I, when I first started that Twitter account, I think when I wrote that tweet, I had about 50 followers, I think. And just 50. Yeah. Something like that. Oh, yeah. wow. And I was like, if I get to 10,000 followers by the end of the year, I'll consider this a massive success. Uh, and I think I, I think I crossed a hundred thousand today. I'm so. very jealous. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, I, I've started from a higher base. I'm still nowhere near uh, what you've got. So, uh, and it's what's next. Uh, next. So I started the podcast. I'm very much, um, what's it called? Uh, the cutting edge with G money. It, it airs live on Twitter spaces every Wednesday at 7 PM Eastern. Uh, and I, there's a po-op issued for those that listen live, but then also it's posted on YouTube and, uh, Spotify and, and, all other podcasting services. So for those that miss, uh, and I try to post it within the first 12 hours because crypto moves so so slow, so fast. Yeah. And some of these podcasts sometimes take a while to get out. So um, yeah, that that to me is like, I wanna be able to, to create a space because I know I have a very crypto native audience. And as um, what, what happened to me over the last couple of months is I would get on, on these calls with some celebrities and they would give me uh, their reason for like why I should. Is it the celebrities therapy. or the celebrities management? Because there's a bit of both. Sometimes right? both, yeah. right? It's I, I'll I'll use that as an umbrella. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so they would be like, hey, like you know, this is what we're working on. We're really excited about it. This and that. And I had enough of those conversations. I was like, you know what? I bet you a lot of my followers would be really interested in hearing this story. Yeah. And that could maybe be the difference between spending five hundred dollars or thirty thousand dollars on something, right? Yeah. And like, because that's just the nature of crypto, right? If I really like something and I have conviction, I'll spend a lot of money on it. And thirty thousand is only ten ETH, right? Like, he, like it's so funny when I price stuff in like nor in in regular dollars. I'm like, oh man, that's a lot. And then I price an ETH. I'm like, oh, that's like free, right? Like, it's yeah. it's so funny how the mind works. How much do you budget generally in life with ETH? Uh, not that much. Cause I, I like, cause if not, I'd be spending money like a madman, but yeah. like, uh, it's sometimes it's funny, like, especially when, um, you talk about like contemporary art and like, they're like, Oh, this is, you know, $20,000. I'm like, Oh man, that's like expensive. And they're like, yeah, that's like, you know, seven and a half ETH. I'm like, Oh, like I, I spent seven and a half ETH on something. I'm like, Oh, that's kind of okay. Right. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. so it's, uh, it's funny, but like, I try to, 
I try I try to stay in fiat terms just because that that keeps me a little more disciplined, right? In the reality, yeah. Well, look, you know, I think the the space is a lot richer for having somebody like you in it. Really looking forward to catch the um, the podcast. And so you said it was what Wednesdays? Wednesdays. Wednesdays at seven p.m. Eastern. Awesome. All right. Well, I'll, I'll make sure we check in and maybe I can come on as well. Yeah, for you sure. Know, we, not, we, don't yeah, don't pressurize you for an invite, <laughs> but it's going to be awkward if you say no. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks for coming on, man. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Cool.